0: everybody, thank you for joining us for another wonderful conference call hosted by Avena Originals. My name is Cameron Terry, I'm the Vice President here at Avena. I've been with Avena for close to twenty years now. I'm just absolutely loving being part of Avena and what we do here. has, over the last twenty years created a really unique program. It's a lifestyle focused on empowering the human body to regenerate itself. And for any of you that have listened to the previous podcasts and the previous calls that we've done, you probably have a good understanding of what I mean by that. And if you haven't, I highly encourage you guys to get on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast, go on our website, check under the Embrace a Healthy Lifestyle, you'll see a podcast section and you come up to speed on all the topics we've had. Over the last year, we've been really embracing and talking about the entire idea of why we get sick and what health really means. And that health is really determined by our gastrointestinal system and how the toxicities that are forming in there are some of the most dangerous aspects to our health. And what we're seeing is those toxicities are responsible for an incredibly large group of symptoms, so much so that many healthcare practitioners and professionals go as far to say they're responsible for more than 95% of the diseases, illnesses, and symptoms that are plaguing our species on this planet. For those that aren't very familiar with Avena Originals, Avena Originals is far more than a natural health product. Right? You hear a lot about the enzymes, the herb cocktail, the proteins, the probiotics that Avena makes as they are some of the best in the world. What you often don't hear about is the entire picture that Avena teaches. Because Avena is not just selling a product, we're actually promoting and encouraging a lifestyle. A lifestyle that I mentioned earlier is going to help your body detoxify thrive, and regenerate in a way that most of us have never experienced before. And this lifestyle has been developed and tweaked and, you know, lasered in over the last 20 years. There's really five key aspects to the Avina Originals lifestyle. The first one is food. And I've had a call all about raw food and the benefits of raw food. Incorporating the foods, the cleanliness of the foods, and what we put into our mouth three times a day is completely within our control and it also has a huge impact on the level of health that we have. I would go as far to say I believe majority of your health concerns are directly caused by the food that you're eating, as well as the food. Avina really approaches the exercise. We often we encourage people to exercise. Avina markets and sells little mini trampolines or the electrically tuned rebounders which are great ways for people to really move their lymphatic fluid. Because exercise is far more than just physical fitness. Your health also relies heavily on your exercise. We talk about emotions, the emotional aspect of the fear, the guilt, the anxiety, the worry, and how toxic those can be in our health-wise and in our bodies. And anybody that's been in those kind of scenarios has probably definitely experienced how physical it becomes, how quickly it also becomes in those states of extreme fear and anxiety. We focus in a lot of in environment, being outside, getting sunlight, and breathing in fresh air, right? practicing proper breathing techniques, taking off your shoes and socks and grounding yourself back to the earth, touch the rocks, feel the trees, walk on the grass. Those type of things are really important. as There's a lot of healing out there. And the last one is the natural health products. This is where the herb cocktail and the enzymes and the probiotics and the effusions and the RP3s and the rest of our natural health care products really come into play. And they're tools. Each one of these things I've talked about are tools that we use to incorporate into a healthy lifestyle. And I've never in my life witnessed a scenario where everybody was using these five modalities in the right ways and pointing them all for a positive and not watch their bodies heal. So over the last few calls, we spent quite a bit of time on the natural health products. We spent a little bit of time on the environment and a couple calls on our food, the raw foods, type of foods, how to incorporate these lifestyles and some of the pros and cons with it. So out of those modalities, there's a couple that we haven't really touched based on and I think that's a great time tonight to do that, is the emotions and the environment. And so I've invited a guest speaker to join us today. Her name is Rosalind Fung. She's a holistic registered psychologist and founder of Body Love. Am I saying that correctly, Ros?
1: Hi, everybody. It's actually holistic body love.
0: Holistic body love. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Rosalind's area of expertise really is in the the psychology behind how we eat the environment that we're in when we're eating and how that really plays into our lives and our nutrition, absorption of our nutrients, and detoxification.
1: Mm -hmm. So, Roz,
0: give me a a quick little reason, I guess, why you got involved in this type of psychology because it's not very common.
1: Yeah. So um, my story is that I have a personal story that led me to what I do today. Um, I grew up very athletic and... um, I didn't struggle so much with body image issues until about uh, the age of 18 when I entered university. And um, I started joining the gym there and uh, comparing myself to other women's bodies. And then also um, having more conversations with my girlfriends about our bodies and comparing ourselves. And then of course, um, just the magazines and media, the what you see in the movies, just really being in your face about um, what we should look like as uh, women. So um, that made me start to look at myself and, and realize, hey, I don't look like any of those women. And uh, I wasn't overweight. It was just I didn't look like Hollywood women, not being aware that there's uh, airbrushing. And, um, and so I went on my very first diet. Um, and I'm one of those people that when I want to make something happen, I want to I make it happen. So I got my, it was my idol was Britney Spears back then. So I got my Britney Spears body and I transformed physically, um, inspired other people, learned about how food can make you look. And I'm going to say look very uh, consciously. Because what really happened was there was a dark side and I started to engage in binge eating behaviors um, secretly. And um, I didn't realize it was an issue until one of my first year psychology classes. We were learning about disordered eating and eating disorders and I realized, oh my gosh, I do this. And so at that point, having a hot body was more important. I shoved aside my feelings. I kept eating and binging and dieting and perfecting my body till in 2008. I did a bodybuilding competition and I achieved my then ideal body. Um, however, I was at my peak height of distress with uh, my relationship with food and my body. I was constantly thinking what I should eat, what I shouldn't eat, how many calories um how much do i weigh so it was this constant struggle inside even though that didn't show on the outside and so i knew that this was not having the perfect body was not the answer to happiness and so i did a lot of uh healing um at the time i was actually starting to get trained in something called uh hikomi which is a therapy approach that involves mindfulness and neuroscience and um, when you're a therapist, learning about something, you cannot not work on your own stuff. So I did a lot of healing. And um, I, I realized my calling really was to help people who struggled the way I did. Um, uh, and help them feel free in their relationship with food and with their body and to live healthier lives, to live active lives. So that's my story. Thank you.
0: Awesome. And it's been wonderful to kind of watch and know you during that whole process of before and afters and how you really created yeah. that drive to, to help people.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, Cam, you and I go way back. <laughs> yeah.
0: so when So what I want to talk about is, I guess, the more direct approach to eating and how eating in extreme states of stress or fear or anxiety and how that what that does to your digestive system, and what do you guys notice as a holistic psychology? How does that interact mm-hmm. with your food?
1: Yeah, so when this is what I teach my clients and when I go out to do local talks, I really love to teach people about what happens when we're stressed. So on a physiological level, your body cannot tell the the difference between the different kinds of stressors we experience. It just knows I'm stressed. And so as soon as your body experiences those cortisol levels, which is your stress hormone, increase, your sympathetic system kicks on. And that is your fight or flight response. As soon as that kicks on, your digestive system shuts off. And so, when that's shutting off, you and we pair stress with um, eating, or anxiety with eating. Um, what happens is that your body doesn't properly digest that food or stimulate any of those vitamins or or um, minerals. It just excretes them, um, and there's less blood flow to the gut. So eventually the healthy gut flora dies off. Um, There's uh, less ability for your body to just absorb those nutrients, so your ability to um, build muscle even is impacted. So all sorts of uh, chemical imbalance happens. Hormones can get wonky. Thyroid can get really wonky over time with chronic stress. When
0: you talk about some of those foods not being properly digested, that's exactly what we led into in the previous calls And those undigested foods often aren't excreted properly. Because of slow transit times and improper food combining, we end up with these slow, sluggish bowels. Now, that undigested food often starts putrefying with the negative bacteria found in our intestinal systems, and start creating the bowel toxemia type toxins like indole, skatole, cadaverine, putrescine, histamines. And those are some very scary toxins that we want to try to avoid as much as possible. So just like eating too much cooked food and processed foods lead to that, what Roz is suggesting is that eating in stressful environments and in under-stressful moods can also lead to that indigestion or poor absorption of your nutrients. Is that correct? Yeah,
1: Cam. Yes, and I also wanted to add just even the fact of having negative talk, self-talk, um, or this is called self-imposed stress where we may be um feeling guilty about eating that piece of cake or the cookies that really just creates sets you up for a cycle of um of this stress eating and in, incorporating mindless eating right when you're stressed your thoughts are somewhere else you're not actually enjoying the food you're eating you're you're too busy feeling feeling guilty about it or or thinking it's going to go straight to your belly or your butt whatever it is
0: what about the psychological association that a lot of us develop especially like in our teenage and teenage years and early adults and associations with positive emotions and foods and i think we often go back to these negative foods to try to feel these positive emotions that we once associated due to like you know, love or pride or relationship or whatever it was.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Food is love. Food is nourishment. When we think about comfort foods, what comes to our minds? I'd love to hear about some of of the input from the other people. What comes to mind when you think of comfort food?
0: Probably chocolate for a lot of us, right? Not necessarily myself. I'm one of the few that I think that are (laughs) non-chocolate lovers.
1: But maybe ice cream or um, pasta, french fries,
0: cheese, French burgers.
1: fries. Yeah, so you yeah. hit
0: those those addictive type foods the 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 fatty, the sugary, or the salty foods.
1: Mm-hmm. And and so when we're stressed, we are more likely to seek out those comfort foods that give us that physiological high, but they may also be associated with really happy memories or comforting memories. I think that many of us can probably relate to um, when we feel sad, someone that we loved would just offer something that we love, like a cookie. Here, have a cookie, feel better, right? Um, And so we start to have that positive reinforcement through food. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, It's just being aware of it. That is being used. The food is being used as a coping mechanism all the time. And the main thing you turn to when you're seeking comfort or avoiding negative emotions.
0: Well, let's talk about uh, another aspect that you you and me have talked about before is not necessarily just the state of emotion that you're eating in, but what about the environment that people are eating and consuming food in? What would you have to say to that topic?
1: Yes. um, So the way, there's something called choice architecture. And um, it's the way we we display food in our home or in our offices. an example is that um we we for those people who um might leave cereal or um muffins, more of the starchy carb sweets right on the countertop where it's very visible. There's been studies that show that um the people who place their uh the starchier carbs and things like that um, more visibly, that they actually are more overweight than people who display fruits and vegetables out on a counter or more visible in the fridge. Um, you can even look at marketing these days where, um, you know, if you go to the cereal aisle, it's not a coincidence that the children's cereal boxes are halfway up versus the adult cereal boxes. And what's really interesting is that the characters on the cereal boxes, uh, uh, the children's cereal boxes, they're actually looking down a little bit to make eye contact with the children when they look up. And that actually works for marketing purposes.
0: The yeah. reason why McDonald's and a lot of these restaurants market strongly to children because I you know the children have a lot of control or buying power with their parents.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And so what you're
0: yeah, saying, I should be careful on, you know, where we're putting foods, especially maybe some of the the more treat-type foods designed to be consumed in a much less uh, frequency. Don't put them right front and center where I'm looking at them every single day, every time I come in.
1: Exactly, Yeah. Because if you are coming in the door and you've had a stressful day, most of us are going to reach out more for the foods that um, might temporarily comfort us. But in the long term, again, if this is a habit, then it's going to add those extra pounds that um, may be uh, impacting negatively on our health. So eating these foods is not a bad thing. I don't look at foods as good or bad. But more so, really recognizing if living in this pattern is serving me. It's really the dose that's the poison. If we turn to the food for comfort, uh, once in a while, that's not a bad thing.
0: What about you know the state of your environment while you're choosing? If I'm sitting down and I'm eating a beautiful food that I'm going to really enjoy, and I'm trying to do so, you know, consciously. But I choose to do that, say in front of the TV or at my desk at work while I'm trying to work. Does that have any impact or effect on my absorption or utilization of that food?
1: Yeah, that still could. Um, kind of d- it depends on your level of awareness. So there's something called the cephalic phase digestive response. And cephalic just means head. It's a fancy scientific term for it. And what we really want to point out is five things it's the taste, visual, aroma, satisfaction, and pleasure of a meal. And when we pay attention to all five of these things, that equals 40 to 60% of our digestive power. So if we're not paying attention to these, aspects um, there goes half of our digestive power that's a huge opportunity wasted there's been um, studies done where they've taken a test uh some test subjects they're given a known amount of uh they're given sorry they're given a a mineral drink with a known amount of uh, sodium and chloride in it and they ask these test subjects to drink it in a relaxed environment and then in the second part of the study, what they did was they asked these same subjects to drink the same drink in a distracted environment. And what they did was they um, got two people on each side of the subjects and just had them talk in their ears different things. And then they had to drink it. And in each situation, the researchers measured how much of the drink was absorbed in their bodies. So in the first Setting in the peaceful, relaxed state environment, what happened was pretty much 100% of the drink was absorbed. But in the second part, um, where they were drinking in the distracted environment, close to 100% of the drink was not absorbed. And on top of that, about half the subjects were stressed out for a couple hours afterwards. So what I'm really trying to say is that it's really important to pay, be as mindful as possible with your meal, to really pay attention to it. Now, I tell this to my clients. I don't think, and I don't do it all the time either, because it's not realistic. If you eat five to six meals a day, um, it's just not always realistic, because we have a life, right? We we Life goes on. But if we can at least choose, I think we can all make time for at least one to two meals or snacks where we can take that time to really pay attention to our food, then that's great.
0: You'll probably start to experience the benefit and the change that that means when you do pay really close attention and walk through that kind of you know mindful eating experience. And I imagine that would be, that's the word I'm looking for, not necessarily addictive, but pleasurable and will often make people want to be more present more often.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Kim. Um, what it also does is it helps you tune into your body and let your body's wisdom tell you what it's experiencing as if this food is desirable for that person or if it's undesirable. So instead of looking at foods as good or bad, um, it's really tuning in to see how the body experiences it. An example could be, um, like an apple. So, you know, most of us know that an apple has lots of good vitamins, it's high in fiber, it's good for you. That's what we hear. So let's put that to the test, you know, chew the apple, notice how it feels in your mouth. And then as you swallow it, just really notice like about after you're done the apple doesn't make you feel good. And then two hours later, are you still feeling good? Um, for some people, they're very allergic to apples. For that person, it's not desirable. For somebody who, is, um, who gets energy from eating apple and they have no negative consequences, in that case, it's desirable for them. So sometimes we can get really caught up in what we hear about a food and we eat the thoughts about that food um, instead of eating the food and tasting the food itself, it takes, if if we're just eating thoughts, it takes us away from the opportunity to really be a food scientist and, and check it out for ourselves because our body is our greatest tool.
0: So I imagine it'd be really difficult for a person to be very mindful or conscious of their eating when they've got a ton of distractions around them, like front of a TV or sometimes I am forced to eat at my desk and I have a very small window to eat and I often find myself extremely distracted when I'm trying to consume that food.
1: Yes. So the reality is (laughs) that might be your environment. So the quickest way to, a quick tip is, um, our body can't tell the difference between us thinking about something stressful versus being there. So if you're in front of your computer and you have a very small window for lunch, that's okay. Take some deep breaths, like as much as possible, put on some, you can turn off your computer or put on some nice relaxing music from your computer and take some deep belly breaths, like some real good breaths where they really um, come from that You breathe right into your belly, um, and your belly comes out because it's filled up with oxygen, and then breathe out. So doing that about five times before your meal opens up your digestive system. It puts your whole body into relaxation mode. And that's the quickest way to trick your body into relaxing. And when that's happening, then then you can start to eat and take your time to eat. Um, even if you have a small window. I really don't think it takes more time to be mindful versus mindless. It's always our choice in how we want to
0: um,
1: use our time.
0: So to kind of rehash what I've learned and what I've been hearing is a lot of how we're eating has a huge impact, necessarily where we're putting the foods, how we're eating the foods, what we're thinking about in the foods and what's happening around us while we're eating those foods. And not necessarily just on the impact psychology that has with our mind relationship with that food, but it actually has a very real physical reaction on absorption and digestion of those foods and anytime those foods aren't being properly digested and absorbed, they often turn start turning against us, you know these good quality foods, even if it's a something you've really enjoyed and been mindful of, if we still didn't absorb it, it still can start putrefying or acidifying or fermenting in our intestinal system. This should help fill in some pieces for the, you know, listeners tonight on how we can bring in that mindful, emotional eating experience and combine those with your enzymes, combine them with your good food choices and start moving everything in the right direction so that you can absorb the maximum amount of nutrition from it. I think... The emotional side and the psychology side of ourselves is something that a lot of us underplay and that often works against us. I know this to be true, and I've often heard this from several other people talk about if you're going to live in a state of extreme stress, fear, anxiety, or guilt, right that's worse than eating at McDonald's every single day, nonstop, and it's worse than a I bad totally, diet.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you, Cal.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. so, Absolutely. And so often a lot, I see a lot of people, you know, they're trying to eat better quality foods and they're trying to fix their their lifestyles by buying a bunch of supplements or buying a lot of things and they really haven't addressed some of the, the core problems and that's a lot of the emotional states that they live in. And I've watched people with incredibly healthy diets have incredibly healthy lives and all of a sudden come under these immense immense situations of stress and guilt or fear or anxiety or combination of many of those, and their health rapidly starts declining and losing, regardless of what they're, else they're trying to do. So that's why the emotional side of it is one of the key modalities that Avina uses in our lifestyle. And it's... It's not necessarily more important or less important than any of the other ones. All five of them need to be present for that true healing to happen inside of your system.